Pilot TV podcast this week, we can officially confirm that, yes, it is indeed we, along with a great many other critics, and very shortly, you, that watches The Watchmen. Uh, not only that, but we catch up with season two of Ryan Murphy's Pose and take a trip to Wales for Jack Thorne's entirely uplifting and not at all soul-destroyingly <laughs> depressing drama, <laughs> The Accident. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that will not be the recipient of a wildly overblown intro featuring Klingon names, obscure Star Trek references and lazy caricatures of my co-hosts. No. After last week's, let's be honest, self-parodic one, you all get a week off. Today, instead, I think we should delve beneath the surface and really look at what makes them tick. So... Terry and Boyd, if those are indeed your real names, let's get to it. Boyd, we're going to start with you. What is what, happening? Yeah, what is happening? <laughs> what TV show do you absolutely love, but which, deep down, you also know is not very good? Um, oh. Well, I mean, going, can I go back in history? Like, growing up? I, no, I was, no, I, no but this has to be the one. It, like, this oh. can't be just a one. This has to be the one. What do you mean? What the, is your guilty pleasure? What is oh, the right. show that you love, but deep down you can't defend? <laughs> Well, I mean, I was brought up watching, like, Dallas and Dynasty, you mm -hmm. know, and I loved those shows growing up, but obviously they're both shit. Yeah. I mean, D Dynasty was the worst. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Was that, does that work? I don't know if this... I mean, kind of. I don't feel like you've given this the it's a long time ago, that I was though. expecting, but, you know. Well, you have just surprised us with it rather than giving us any time well, to prepare our thoughts. That's how you get honest answers, oh, boy. Okay. You know, um, Jeremy Paxman didn't submit stuff in yeah. writing 28 days beforehand, stuff did he? Stuff I know is, isn't very good now. I can't it doesn't need to be now. Just something in your heart of hearts heart. that you truly love. Well, even I, I did absolutely, you know, I love, yeah, I love that show in, in a way, yeah. All right, all right. In Dynasty says Dynasty. Boyd. Okay, okay. Good. Or maybe even the Colbys. Good insight the there. The spin-off. The Colbys. I can see you watching the Colbys. Oh, yeah. You're a big fan of Alexis, were you? Oh, what about Ricardo Montalban as Zach yeah. Powers? Big time. All yeah. of them. Love that. Right, good insight there. Terry. You are currently carrying a small human inside you. Mm -hmm. Which TV show, above all others, are you most looking forward to introducing said child to? Oh, Lauren Order Special Victims Unit? That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's a lie. Darling son, this is a programme in which women are attacked and assaulted, but they do eventually get justice. So what do we want to learn today? Not to do this to women. Do you know what? I'm now beginning to wonder whether this isn't, in fact, entirely true. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. What, from, like, when it's a baby? No, 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 no. But, but like, there must be a thing. Like, there's got to be a thing well, where there's knows? a TV What's show that on? you cannot wait to introduce to this. Because let's be honest, people only have children, so they can pour egotistically all of their sort of narcissisticness into. So what part of... What Narcissism. narcissistic part of you... Narcissism. I, I like narcissisticness. <laughs> it's a better word. It's, I mean, it's not an actual word, but I like it. Um, but, uh, you know, there must, well, what is it? What would you like to impart to your child? What TV show? Probably. Um, probably, actually, because I can show this to him because it's a baby boy um, at a relatively young age. I'm, I was thinking like this is England, but I probably got to wait a bit for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, they should. Um, probably Buffy. <laughs> Because I, I think I think oh, yeah. Buffy with because I think you know I am really excited about raising a feminist boy, um, and Buffy is incredible, and you know female centered etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But I it was so formative for me when I was a teenager, um, and I think you know you love Buffy, and contrary to what is sometimes appears you're you've developed into a, like a decent human being who respects women I'm not saying that it was because of Buffy <laughs> but I, I mean, am. maybe it was who knows 
Um, all right, no, that's that's good. If, that was a good, if entirely predictable answer. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't let me have Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That so. is that is fair. I think that's fair. Now, now, before we get into what we've been watching, I have a question for you both. But before I ask, another, you've already done one round of questions. Yes, Surprise, yes, but this, shot is, this is more specific. This is more. This is a new thing. No, no, no. <laughs> Although I do quite enjoy the fact that I never warn you what we're going to do no. on the podcast. Before I ask this, some background. So a reader on Twitter suggested that as 2019 is Farscape's 20th anniversary, I should follow through on the promise I made some months ago and make Terry watch an episode of the show. So to that end, I selected an episode and made it available to both of you. So the question is, did you watch it? No. Yes. <gasps> Twice. For shame, Boyd Hilton. Well, I didn't realise you. It was for this week. I thought you just. Well, uh, I just for, put it in there for fun. Yeah. Just for. Well, you didn't give us any. I mean, you didn't give us any strict orders to watch it. That this is actually featuring this week's podcast. Well, well, to be fair to me, you now. Mind you, you also didn't tell me we were starting an hour late either. So clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But Terry, let's talk about it. So the episode that I selected was season two, episode four, Crackers Don't Matter. What did you make of it, Terry? Well, first of all, I was like, this is a really questionable title, not realising that it was about actual edible crackers. Yeah. So um, I watched it twice, not because I enjoyed it, but because <laughs> I was absolutely fucking baffled. I got barely any sleep last night and I was thinking... And I watched it in the middle of the night and then I watched it again in daylight and I was thinking, am I tripping? Have I like had such a stressful week that I've lost a bit of my cognitive ability? Because it is the, I don't know what I was expecting with your, you know, passionate love for it, but I wasn't expecting this. It was like a low rent, dark crystal meets Star Trek, a bit of Red Dwarf, but all of them shitter than the original things I just mentioned. One of the guys, I can't, I no idea who's who and what's happening. One of them looks like the master from Doctor Who. One of them, I think Crichton, looks like, reminds me of Quill. Is that a, from Guardians, right? Crichton is in Red Dwarf. This is confusing. I know, yeah. that, that threw me as well. This is John Crichton, not the robot Crichton. Oh, okay. There's like mm. an alien hipster Chewbacca who assaults another one. That's Cardago. With some, with, literally is. with some crackers while shouting, ramming them in his mouth, shouting, you've got three stomachs, one of them must be empty. Is this poor little thing almost <laughs> like choked to death? That's Rigel, he's a twat, it's fine. So, and then there was a massive other fight over crackers, which included a subplot about ice cream and somebody not understanding what ice cream is and then they kept calling women bitch quite a lot there was a lot of bitch going on um, and then the, I mean this, the writing isn't great there's like a line where he goes next time you'll be a crouton crouton I mean wow. um, no I need to watch this program <laughs> it's and I, I was like this feel, I feel like I've dropped acid and come into work because I can't believe this is a real thing. And I can't believe... I mean, look, I know you're you, but really? You is haven't it? mentioned the photogasms. Oh, my... But, I mean... <laughs> is this a comedy? Is Farscape a comedy? That's I didn't what realize. I was thinking. I was like, this uh-huh. is this is a parody, right? No. Okay. Between so, no. So, I love that. No. 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 <laughs> so, some clarity here. Some clarity. So, I had three possible ones I was going to show you. So... On the one hand, there was one this dimey dichotomy, but it's the it's the it's the season two finale, and it's very plot centric, and it wraps up a number of 
key points. And it was pointed out to me that there's just absolutely no way you'd know what was going on because it's very heavily centric. And it As all, opposed to this And one. it all focuses around Scorpius, who's that weird S&M alien who appears, oh, yeah. an imaginary one, because he's in Crichton's mind. He's like an, he's a chip he's implanted in Crichton's mind. So there was that one. And there was The Way We Weren't, which is actually a very sort of dark, quite punchy, emotional one, which is like, and that that's that's very moving. But Why don't you again, give me if you that don't one? know the characters, I wonder how well it would have done. So, and so I thought, okay, that that one I think you would have liked. But Crackers Don't Matter is one that people say is the best the crew going completely nuts one. Because it's kind of, it's one of these like sort of like tropes you get in science fiction. Star Trek's done it as well, where some kind of alien influence causes the crew to go mental. Whereas in this, mm. it's so extreme and it's so off the wall and it's so ridiculous that that's why lots of people love this particular episode. Uh, though, in, and, and I remember reading a thing saying, oh, if some people don't like uh, Farscape, this is the perfect one for them to watch. I was like, is it though? Because it's nuts. But I was like, all right, do you know? Know what they said that fuck it i'll give that story it, isn't it then peak fire escape as opposed it's not i don't know if yes. it's madly accessible no. to the normal thinking other about than... it it might not have been the best choice but uh, you know i thought it would give because it has it has lots of muppet action in it it's got invisible imaginary scorpius in it it's got them all just going completely bananas over the top which they do at various points so there's one episode Ugh. where the whole thing is a cartoon it's like a looney tune cartoon it's animated and there's a weird one where they're all kind of taking drugs down on a planet and it's all alternate timelines and unreliable narration are there so, always muppets in it yeah yes yeah, yeah. henson henson uh-huh. part made it that's what's confusing um, that's another thing which yeah. is but the thing with this show is it, it vacillates between incredibly wacky almost parody sort of spook, yeah. to really fucking dark territory as well like it had incredible breadth incredible range uh, and it, would, it was really bold. It did stuff that other science fiction shows didn't do. So, But yes, I can see why you might have found it a little bit disturbing and baffling. Is it meant to look cheap? I mean, it's, it's obviously here. It's 20 years old. But, deliberate, so. but is, is that no, like no, a stylistic choice? Um, the, the look of it is stylistically true. I don't think they were trying to look cheap. I think that was the budget that they had. The, but then the Muppet thing is quite specific. They use puppets for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And the puppets are sometimes very good. Yeah. But more often than not, a bit shit. Yes. Uh, and that kind of is what it is. That's just kind of, I guess, is how you feel about Muppets and how how seriously you can take an often quite dark sci-fi show when half the cast are Muppets. It's also Australian, so a lot of the a lot of the aliens have Australian accents, which for a lot of people as well. That didn't help. Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't quite. I, I I turned to you at one point in the office and said, "What have you made me watch?" <laughs> it's it's like it's it's way worse than I thought. It'd be I thought it was going to be some dark, gritty. Like I thought, like, oh, I'm going to probably be able to get I should have given you on one of those other. episodes because there are loads of them. It, I mean, deranged. All right, deranged. Enough. Well, that was uh, that was Terry watches Farscape and I, not th- Boyd to be honest. Farscape. I got so confused by this whole thing because I actually thought it was the Expanse that we were watching. Oh my God. <laughs> than you will be reviewing the <laughs> right. Expanse. I just get confused between the two and the one they're completely different. One's twenty years old, the yeah. other one's still yeah. going. The Expanse we'll be yeah. reviewing in two weeks' time. Okay. Well, that was good. If you have any other Farscape episodes you would like to suggest Terry watch, then do tweet her uh, at Terry underscore White with the hashtag Terry watches Farscape. Well, here we go. Right. So I am willing to watch a second one if somebody can recommend one that's more in keeping with my taste I, th- I, I think the way we weren't is the one that, 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 that might do it if anyone has any alternatives by all means chuck them in but I think the way we, were, the way we weren't is quite a good one okay uh, I'll give it a go alright alright I'll that's, give it that's a, go. a challenge. I might join in this time. Challenge accepted, and Boyd has to watch it as well. Okay, I will make it's, that available. Now, if it's you. an official feature in the show, then I will watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rather okay. than just something you cooking up on the spur of the moment that may or may not actually be happening. I mean, it's unclear where the distinction between those two well, things yeah, is. True. But, you know. True. Um, okay, good. So what, what other things that aren't Farscape have we all been watching? Boyd? Well, 
Um, you've got a nice bombardment of people on Twitter telling you you have to watch Succession still. I really do. It's kicked off, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's kicked off. Like, as a they, thing. They, the natives have got yeah. feral. Yeah, I like that. Because this is the first chance um, we've had to talk about the finale, which I think I'm the only one of us three that watched. No spoilers. No spoilers. Not for me, but so, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, and let me just say, it lived up to all the expectations that fans of the show have. It, the se- season two in general, I mean, season one I loved. Season two has season been two like better. taken off into the stratosphere. Mm. It's now, I think, everyone who's got into it feels it's like a show that is now already in the pantheon of great, mm. great, great shows rather than just a really good show we're all enjoying. And the finale, which is kind of set, was set up in the very first episode of the series, as you know, it's all been building up to this. It's basically, it's not a spoiler to say, you know, the title of the show is all about who's going to succeed this grotesque, egomaniac head of the family, Rupert mm. Murdoch figure. Um, and, it's all, and, and so part of what happens is who is he going to pick in this in this uh, series to take the fall for all the problems that he's having that's kind of the whole theme of the series and what they did at the end was so brilliant kind of you know you could kind of guess it was going to happen then but the way they did it the way all the characters all the characters get scenes which deepen them that thing where you know because in a way they're all types to some extent you know but this series the second series has deepened them so much that as horrendous as you think you are in fact this is the key because your whole thing is you refuse to watch it because they're all bellends yeah. which of course they are but then you see deeper into the bellends so to speak right. and the three dimensionality of them and the, and these are human beings doing stuff because they feel they have to they're being bellends because they kind of been that's fully rounded three dimensional in the end they're fully rounded <laughs> three dimensional bellends yeah but, but also yeah. can I just interrupt to ask you a question is that really something that's going to stop you watching a show <laughs> yeah We've explained the Bellend test. Oh yeah, and how you'd fail your own test. Yep, well, sorry, yeah. carry it on. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it is no, ridiculous. I, no, I've explained this many times, and I, I, I'm willing to concede that I am wrong about this show. In that I, I can see the show is probably very good, but I find I don't have an access point due to the Bellend quotient. Now. I've watched the first five of season one, so for me to to Whoa. jump back in, I suppose I you know, it's not like I didn't give it a good old chance. Hmm. Um, I do feel like maybe. I should give it another chance. You should. You absolutely should. But yeah. you just have to. I'm not sure I'm going to. Oh, you just you got to. You got because what's going to happen is in about five years' time you're going to be like right. I'm suddenly going to deep. You're going to watch every episode. It's going to banshee it. It's going to banshee yeah. it. In yeah, five exactly. Years time. That's a show you may own. not have heard of. It's yeah. called Succession. Because it... didn't you not like West Wing to start with? Isn't that right? Boy, we don't speak of that. Right. Well, well it's the same or thing. Star Trek. That was only the or Star Trek. Okay, no, that was never Star Trek. It was Battlestar Galactica. Oh, and it was, that was the mini series. No, 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 no. I know that. Okay, that isn't also another. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. So, Star Trek, the original series, I don't love. I mean, it's just... So, anyway, so I think we can safely disregard your <laughs> reasons I for not liking I we established stuff. quite a few anyway. episodes ago that my yeah. whole judgment is questionable, yeah. so... But uh, anyway, in all the in all the brilliance of this finale, I just want one thing I would pick out is Matthew McFadden, British actor, Matthew McFadden, mm. who plays Tom, Shiv's husband, this useless one of the, the bellend of bellends in a way mm-hmm. in a way in this show from the start like this useless tosser he gets this scene in it which is so brilliant and moving and it's like that's his bit a big moment and it's that kind of thing that made it phenomenal and it's fantastic so if I've not watched any mm. can I just start with season two or should I go back to the beginning of season one I think one? you should go start with season one yeah. just because yeah I think you should yeah it, I mean you'd like it because it's full of hateful people and you enjoy shows like that so um, yeah okay good it's so, like my real life I surround myself with balance <laughs> that yeah. is accurate um, what have you been watching Terry um, so 
I've been watching. I've in carried the night on. Garden. I've carried on watching Motherland, which mm. is oh god, just brilliant. Um, but my viewing has become tainted, not tainted, um, tailored, somewhat by um, the life growing inside of me. So I've been watching Motherland, and then I've been watching obsessively watching One Born Every Minute, um, which I felt like was some kind of aversion therapy. Like if I watched <laughs> enough women give birth, then it would stop me worrying about giving birth. I think I've watched something like 44 episodes and um wow it's awful yeah <laughs> yeah is. I mean surely you've got to not watch that every single really? one of them is screaming well of course don't they like, pick out specially like traumatic ones as well I was about to say it wouldn't I mean they wouldn't put them on the show if they just went yeah and it popped out and they were like yeah, yeah whatever does anyone fine. have a fruitella but I was thinking statistically there'd be a few in there who'd be like you know oh I'm going for a wee out falls the baby off we go but no <laughs> so um, uh, I've been watching them late into the night um, and then having mad dreams but I think um, I should stop because A, I'm not watching any good telly apart from the things we're going to review <laughs> mm. very shortly. Mm. Um, and B, my vagina is scared. Have you seen, you know, Emma right. Willis does the show on W Channel where she becomes a midwife. Yeah. And yeah, there's another one you can watch there. I think there's like 20 episodes of that <laughs> lined up for you. Ready. Um, I'd, I think I that's to... more normal midwifery, like midwifery. 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 <laughs> midwifery. Like, I don't think they, like, unlike, I think one point it's like, isn't it, it's kind of interesting. Well, it's all about the birth. So yeah. It's in granular detail. <laughs> so there's tearing so and bleeding oh, and, you know, yeah. all of that. Yeah. And guys, I hate to break it to you, but apparently it hurts. Like, yeah. they this, do not this, seem happy. This is your whole psychology, isn't it? It's like, if something is miserable, you almost try and flood your brain with as much of it as possible to desensitise yourself. Yeah. This is your entire TV viewing habit. And it, and it becomes pleasure somehow. <laughs> it's just so fucking twisted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Let's um, unpack it. No. Yeah, no, that's I another podcast. Yeah, that's together. another podcast. Terry's Terry's uh, therapy podcast. Um, so I've been pressing on with Dublin Murders, which is as brilliant as oh, I imagine it would be. Uh, not far enough in actually. I've still oh, okay. a couple to go. So, oh, okay. uh, but it's yeah. That means two. Yeah. No, I'd watch two when we reviewed it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh, no, I continue. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. I must admit, I had to rewatch another episode twice uh, because I hadn't been paying attention because I was trying to do other things. And I, it, I should have learned the you first time. You cannot, yes. cannot multitask yes. with this show because so. there was that famous um, Lord Sugar tweeted this oh. week. Yes, <laughs> Sarah Phelps so, was thrilled. Well, yeah, which was brilliant. It's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. I can't follow it. it. It's too complicated. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Fan. And she was like. Achievement unlocked. Yeah. Uh, what a prick. That was very good. Um, the other thing I watched is, so episode two of The Walking Dead, I think you would have really liked, Terry. Oh, really? So you know how you loved Samantha Morton? The yes. entire episode was from her point of view. Oh, it was I a, need to watch that. It was a Samantha Morton episode. It was all about Alpha. And it charted, because you've seen a little bit of Alpha's origin before, but this showed you a period sort of before... After she goes off the deep end, but before she creates her little band of whisperers. And it was all from her point of view. It was a really interesting episode. You didn't get to see any of the people that you would normally see, but it was a nice change Are of they, um Is it set in a children's home in the north of England? <laughs> no. Oh, no, it's not. Then. It's set in an, largely in an abandoned building. Ah, oh, not so um, sure. You know, somewhere in the American south. But it's, it was good. It was good. It was a good one. It's how she first, first meets Beta. <laughs> Played by Ryanhurst. Anyway, Brother so that of was Alpha. Bro- no, well, she's Alpha. She's Alpha. Oh, he's she- Beta. That's oh, her character name. God. Her character name is Alpha, and he's Z- Beta. Is somebody Zeta? Well, no, there's a new character that they call Gamma. <laughs> See? There's a whole nomenclature that they're adhering to. Oh. Yeah. 
Anyway, so that's what we've been watching. Shall we move on to news? And what better place to start than with the news that Kurt Sutter has been summarily dismissed from his job as uh, showrunner of Mayans MC on FX? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who's watching that? No, so (laughs) James. Kurt Sutter, who was, you know, who worked with Sean Ryan on The Shield and created Sons of Anarchy. Obviously, Mayans MC being the spin off from Sons of Anarchy. And he's been fired for it for being. Hound, checks notes, an abrasive dick. I did read that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh God, it's like James's P45 has been put on the internet. <laughs> Made by abrasive dicks, watched by abrasive <laughs> dicks. Yep, yep, yep. To be fair, abrasive dick, this is his own words. Uh, he, he wrote a letter to the, to the cast and crew uh, calling himself an abrasive dick and apologising uh, following his dismissal by FX CEO. But what was um, he officially dismissed for? I, I mean, multiple complaints over his behaviour. Um, no, this isn't hugely surprising. So he, he's famously very uh, confrontational and a little difficult. Some of the stuff he said to FX Brass when he was working on Sons of Anarchy was quite uh, extraordinary. I think he got reprimanded a few times for that. And I think he's, yeah. I mean, I, I've interviewed him and he doesn't mess about. He doesn't pull any punches. He makes no apologies for behaviour. He's quite full on. And, um, it's incredible how uh, male um, TV <laughs> showrunners and uh, creatives get away with this kind of thing. I mean, just saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he got sacked. So, well, yeah, except he's been. It's, he has been doing to it you, for a long time. What yes. you've just said, he has been, been doing it for a while, like um, that for a while. But, th- but this, I mean, this people are like, oh my god, what are we going to do? Apparently, he was looking to step down as showrunner from Mayans at the end really? of season two. Anyway, Chinny reckon. Uh, well, apparently, on. he'd already said that. Like, pre- then why would they fire him? Why wouldn't you just keep him and tell him to like behave I, himself I mean, for a bit? I, I won't speculate for legal reasons, but maybe what he was doing was actionable and they had to cover their asses. I've no idea. Um, mm. But who knows? I've no idea. But so he he has been he has departed Mayans MC, uh, but his co-showrunner will will carry on. So I guess all is well. Is that another man? Yes. With anger issues. Probably. <laughs> mm. Lucky crew. <laughs> right. It's funny that these shows are all about quite aggressive blokes as well, isn't it, really? Yes. I mean, that's really no coincidence. Sons of Anarchy. My, what was the other one? What, they worked Before on The Shield. Sons, and The Shield, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah, he's got some darkness. Interesting. What, what's quite interesting is he tends to make the worst things happen to himself in these shows. Oh, okay. So he played, a, he played an, uh, an, an Armenian uh, murderer. Uh, called Marcos in The Shield, and he played Otto Delaney in Sons of Anarchy and was variously blinded, beaten, imprisoned, raped. And the stuff that he did to his own character was quite extraordinary. Oh, isn't that interesting? Mm. I asked his Ooh. wife about that. She didn't Why did appreciate you ask his question. wife about it? It's Katie Sagal, who's also on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, I was I like... I just go around to his house <laughs> and go, so I've got a question about Kurt. I'm just doing a bit of background. <laughs> you DM'd her. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a question about your husband's fictional rape. Yeah. No, How do you I'd, feel uh, about answering it? Katie Sagal plays Gemma uh, on, uh, on Sons of Anarchy. You say this like we're meant to know. We should say that there is a Sons of Anarchy. This is all ringing bells with me because we have a Sons yes. of Anarchy feature in the next issue of Pilot, we which do. is on sale in a few weeks, which does touch upon some of these things, actually, about the kind of machismo. Is that a, is that a word people use machismo, anymore? Machismo, yeah. Machi- machismo, machismo. <laughs> I mean, machismo. Oh <laughs> machismo. Machismo. <laughs> machismo is a, is a American cheese. It's, machi- <laughs> it's, you know, talks about machismo. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, sorry, James. You were saying about the machismo. Oh, that's it. That's it. You were talking about it. <laughs> um, I want to talk about um, Empire and Pilots' hundred greatest TV shows of all time, yes. which went live just a couple of days ago, um, and had a fairly 
very interesting top 10, we can say, right? So this was voted for yes. by the readers of both Empire and Pilot. In at number 10, we have Doctor Who. James. What? I'm surprised you didn't fix this, so this didn't appear. I was very 10. tempted. Um, nine is Lost. Yawn. Mm-hmm. Eight is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not higher. I'm disappointed <clears throat> in you. Uh, number seven is the OA. Wow. Boyd. Wow. How'd you feel? I feel, very, I feel great. Yeah. This was Boyd. I came around and saw him voting again no, and again I and again not, and again. I did not do that. That's, that's incredible, yeah. Uh, number six is the West Wing. Yes. Should have been higher. Surprised James didn't uh, mm. massage the results. Yeah, should have been number one. Um, number... Well... Nope. That, that broke. Number five is Friends. Ooh, Could yeah, that I've heard of that. be any higher? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, number four is The Wire. And The Wire was our previous number one. Last was time it? Ah, so when did we last do it? Down, I think about <laughs> four years ago. Mm. Number three, The Sopranos. Yeah, only three. Mm-hmm. Well, that's gone up. That was that was oh, really? six or seven. I wow. think last time, if I remember correctly. Number two is Game of Thrones, mm. which this... I think may have taken. I think this final season may have impacted yeah. its kind of overall standing. I think so. I, it's, it's funny because it, it polarised people. I wasn't would not have been at all surprised if this had won. Mm. But I do think, yeah, the final season's maybe sort of taken the gloss off it slightly. James, but, do you uh, want to reveal the number one? Number one, appropriately, the week after El Camino came out, is Breaking Bad. What do you think of that, Terry? I mean... Angry white man for... I was going to say, <laughs> do you know what this top ten needs more of? <laughs> yeah. Guys? Right. Yeah. Guys? Angry yeah. white men... <laughs> Not enough, not enough angry white men or men on dragons. Actually, there's a bird on a dragon. A girl, sorry, on a dragon. So. See, if I'd said that, it would have been the death of me. That's interesting, though. I wonder if it has been slightly affected by the fact that it's back in our, heart, in our minds and hearts because of El Camino. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Because I, mean, um, I think that was The Sopranos because it was the anniversary yeah. this year. I think, yeah. I think those things kind of give people a new love for it and they revisit mm. it around those times. Because yeah. The Sopranos film will be out soonish, is it? It went it will, yeah, many, many cents in New York. Yeah. Next uh, autumn. Next, no, oh, there you go. Not that soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's in people's minds, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm not surprised. I, I, I can't argue with Breaking Bad. I think The Wire is a better show, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think Sopranos is a better show. See, I don't. Because I, I'm not... I mean, I do and I don't. I certainly for the time it came in but I do feel The Sopranos went off the boil and I think the last season really? of The Sopranos is quite weak whereas Breaking Bad mm. I don't think did okay. uh, and for me that's the difference I mean The Wire's last season wasn't certainly wasn't its strongest but um, but The Wire is, is a masterpiece I mean, the wise second season is, is boring. No, is this, is no, it? no. See, see, that's a common misconception. No, boy. it's not. I mean, let I've me explain it. to you why you're wrong. <laughs> Here we go. Now, uh, so I, I thought the same thing when I first saw The Wire. The second season was my least favourite because, and I think partly it's because Terry's doing this. She yes. always does it. When I go into yes. Paul James, well, face, you are going into. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's a double finger. <laughs> it is. You've got both it's fingers. A like finger. finger. It's a double and finger. And also, it's literally James explaining me why I'm wrong. Also, yes. after this, we should do. We explain to James what an opinion is. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because season two of the Wire, I think because it's unexpected, because it's such a gear shift from season one, it's just not what you want at that point in time. But if you take it on its own, like it's sort of like it's subtext about the decline of the working class and sort of the looking at that particular sort of like strata of, uh, mm. of, of of worker, it's actually really interesting. And the way it all fits into it, I think it's really compelling. Ziggy's an amazing character with a really tragic arc. Mm. Uh, Frank Sabotko, all of that. I mean, stuff. I will I say I haven't watched it since it since it actually went out and when I was bored. But this was, and, but and I felt mm. the same way when I. 
thought okay. it came. But when I okay. rewatched it, I thought, God, season two is really, really well, good. Well, I'm open minded, so I'll give it another go. <laughs> oh, I, and, I see what you yes. did there, Boyd. Yes. I see what you did yes. there. Yes. Uh, this list of the 100 greatest TV shows is now online on empireonline.com slash something. And uh, Google it. Google it. Empire. Best TV shows. You'll find it. It's fine. Google What's number 100? Uh, number 100. Should I go down? I'll go down the list. Sorry. Number 100. There are all sorts of surprising things on here. Uh, the Expanse may or may not make an appearance somewhere. I did not. And I can't emphasize this enough. I did not fix the list. All right. I'm sorry. We're going down. We're going down. We're going down. 87 is Narcos. Just there you go. Okay. Just dropped on that. Oh. 99 was Farscape, Terry. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. There is no way on God's green earth. I swear to you, I did not inflate Farscape's vote. Hang on. Gets him by the skin of its teeth to number 99. Yeah. Are you telling me that's a coincidence? Absolutely. And number 100 is Rome. Huh? Okay. <laughs> what do you mean by <laughs> I banshied Rome back in the day, and it is <laughs> absolutely <reaction>. brilliant. <laughs> Have you ever seen Rome, Terry? No, no it's fabulous. It was quite good. HBO, it was the most expensive TV show ever made. I know. The big... Terry White, professional film and news, TV critic, news ladies and gentlemen. Right, yes. Okay, fine. So that was our list. Go and read it on the website because I need more page impressions. Now, uh, Terry, you must have been excited about the clueless news. Or at least you would have been if you'd read why? it. Why? Do, do you know the news? No, the but news? also why? Because it's... Because you like clueless, don't you? Isn't that one of your films? One of your, like, you love Clue? Films? Clue. The film Clue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this is already. But, but not. But not Clueless. <laughs> but I'm not asked about Clueless. You're not fine. Oh, I thought you were. Is a fan it because of my woman? I feel yeah, like I there is it, no yeah. way out of like, this conversation. Yeah, no way out. Without You've getting fallen into, into, into this brilliant <laughs> trap. So Terry, you must be excited about this woman news about this woman <laughs> film. <laughs> like, hang right, on, hang on. Let me right, check with the other right. women. Women, how do we feel about this news? Well, this is going to be better. Can I, so, so <laughs> CBS is doing a, uh, developing a TV series around the 1995 uh, film, Clueless, with women um, in it. <laughs> <laughs> with women in it. In fact, I think it's been a series before, hasn't it? I like, was going to say, also, yeah. was, have you, is, this, this is new? really old. <laughs> no, 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 really this is a new, new thing. This is a new sure? thing. So, essentially, so it was a TV series as well the year after the film, but they're, they're rebooting uh, it. But and didn't we talk about this news like three weeks yeah. ago? I don't think we did, but let me read <laughs> to you. repeating the news. Let me read to you the synopsis. This is the official synopsis. <laughs> Clueless is also set in high school. It is described as, and I quote, a baby pink and bisexual blue-tinted tiny sunglasses wearing oat milk latte and adderall fueled look at what happens when the high school queen bee disappears and her lifelong number two steps into her vacant Air Jordans. Wow. Sounds awful. <laughs> Sounds very hard okay. work. Well, it's written by the people behind Will and Grace uh, oh. and, and American Gothic. So, you know, there you go. Hmm. That's the thing that's happening. So, you know, <clears throat> well. And so, you. Oh, God! <laughs> this parachute is a knapsack! <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else Terry that's not at all um, it's all gender related you might so, I wanted to talk about Netflix's new viewing figures they released uh, no it's interesting oh, two days ago um, uh, out there in their top 10 by Country Mile no surprises Stranger Things um, which has 64 million views which is a good 20 million on the number two which is Umbrella Academy mm. That yeah. didn't that surprise you? Quite surprising. Not surprising is number three, though. Number three, <laughs> La Casa del Papel. Yes. Pa- Do you remember? La Casa del Papel. Yeah. AKA Money Heist. Money Heist, yeah. 44 million Incredible. views. Yeah. This Which is I'm... all the original shows, by yeah. the way. We should make that clear. <clears throat> um, there is something I was finding some of this quite surprising because mm. it isn't necessarily, you know, 
45 million views for Umbrella Academy. Do you think they make it up? No. No, I don't think so. Why would they? Yeah. Well, mate, although actually they could. Yeah, they could. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way to know, so... I mean, that the La Casa de Papel is... Please, please continue to say that. <laughs> yeah. It's a Spanish language series, yeah, yeah. and obviously there is the Spanish language part of the world is incredibly... Huge. Your accent is, and it is, it is uncanny. A, it is a brilliant show. Uh, it, is, it is great and it's incredibly addictive viewing. So, yeah. But I didn't realise it was going to be that big. That is phenomenal. That is ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. You put an authentic and, and, and Catalan the, spin on your I also like the pronunciation as well. So. I also like the fact that you, which is basically yeah. a kind of quite a tacky, brilliantly entertaining po- load of old nonsense. For, I still need to watch for that. For the is dynasty Dallas fan in your life is number four. Wow. And Unbelievable is in at number seven with 32 million views, which is pretty amazing when yeah. you think about when that went live yes. and how long it's been up for compared to some of the others. Um, and I think it's it's incredibly cheering to see a show like that, which is really difficult, hmm. essentially about sexual assault, um, uh, to get that kind of viewing figures. It heartens, heartens me. It cheers hmm. my heart. It heartens. It warms my heart. It does those things. Excellent. Yeah. Um, can I ask a question without being in any way perceived as an extension of the patriarchy? Um, do you enjoy Greece? <laughs> what? Oh my God. There's Greece news, and I don't just... want to say, Terry, did this you hear the Greece is... news? Because I feel that if I do that. Why don't you say, Boyd, have you heard the Greece news? <laughs> of course he's heard the Greece news. <laughs> I can tell from his. Oh, no, you haven't. Oh, they're, they're making some right. kind of spin-off of Greece. Well, I, in that I, case, I, I literally, I was so uninterested that I, um, I didn't wow. read the story. Well, HBO Max are doing a show called Rydell High, specifically Greece colon Rydell High, which is centred on the high school that uh, that John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John's characters go to in the film, and uh, it will be, and I quote, high school and life in small town USA, told on the scale of a big rock and roll musical. Hmm. So it'll just be like the end of Greece. It's set in the 1950s. Bang, 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 well, I feel entirely vindicated. So pink ladies, T-birds, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. Marvellous. Um... Anything else yes. that's not going to get me into friend trouble? Friend of the podcast, Russell Tovey. Yes. Is to star. In, this is his first solo lead role. That's the important thing to bear in mind. Because he's been in a lot of ensemble type shows. I mean, he's been a key element, you know, of looking, going back to being human, even he was, you know, he was one of the three main. But this is this show written by Neil Cross called Because the Night. Luther's Neil Cross. Luther's Neil Cross. Hard Sons Neil Cross. Hard Sons Neil Cross. Um, it is a big four part RTV drama, and he is the absolute front and center of it. I think he's in pretty much every scene. It's all about he plays well meaning but directionless Nathan, a man trying to escape his past. There's a terrible secret. He's long prayed would stay buried which has long worked hard to make recompense and then this guy comes into his life played by um, Bertie Carvel who brings it all back and it's and it, and it is going to be quite intense and stuff I'm very excited about I've that. got some Russell Tovey adjacent news oh go on ready <laughs> oh yeah. no Maxim Baldry oh yeah yeah has signed on to be in Amazon's Lord of the Rings series Maxim Baldry who mm. of course played Russell's boyfriend in years and years that's true that's good there you go yeah you don't like Lord of the Rings do you I don't like the original books, no. And you don't like the films? I mean, I, I like, quite like them. I sense, I'm not that I bothered. Sense, I thought, hang on a minute, I love the Rings, love the Rings. Boyd's I really deeply, don't... fundamentally wrong about this, isn't I, he? I, yes. quite, I, I like them more than the Hobbit films, which I mean, I then would, it really does I get I hope down. so. Yeah. Yes. But, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. Um, 
Tony Gilroy did his. Tony Gilroy will be writing and directing the Cassian Andor TV series, just in case Gareth Edwards wasn't feeling bad enough about himself already. <laughs> this is rubbing salt in the wound a little bit, isn't it? Um, Tony Gilroy, who famously essentially took that film off Gareth and was like a stealth director, came in and recut it and, yeah. Mm which was a bit of a... Anyway, so he's going to be picking up with that character where he left off, and he'll be directing... I think he's written the pilot, I think, and he's directing a few episodes, so... Um, yeah. Sorry. And Aidan Turner's going to play Leonardo da Vinci. you seen that? No, I didn't. Yeah. This, this broke today. What? You know, you know... Not Terry's shaking her head. Yeah, I'm there's unsure. There's why. A, I don't know is why. Is it because Terry's he's a man, or Leonardo <laughs> yeah. da Vinci's a man, or... Not interested, or, or I, don't I mean, what is it? Are they both they're, they're, they're avatars of the patriarchy? Is there? I'm confused. Do we think he has the oh. gravitas oh, to play see. Leonardo da Vinci? Did Leonardo yeah, da Vinci do, yeah. famously have gravitas? It's Leonardo da Vinci. It's I mean, not Leonardo man, DiCaprio. I mean, it's, the man could draw a picture, but no one's saying he was that charismatic. Well, funnily enough, he is a Renaissance genius who not only could draw a picture, but he had various other masterful achievements in various fields, not only including art, which is the point, apparently, of this series created by um, Frank Smotnitz. I've seen Da Vinci's Demons. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Famous documentary, so Da Vinci's yeah. Demons. I thought you were going to have seen the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. I was going to be like, who's going to tell him? <laughs> <laughs> I think Angel Stone's really good. Yeah, I think he can do it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm he's fully pol- behind he's Dark, so, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Nips he ho- nips he, he definitely is. He is. I like the way you're saying that as a kind of vote in his favour yeah. for playing Leonardo da Vinci. Ooh, yeah. Leo, no, no, no. as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it feels like the wheels might have come off news a little bit. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything else you'd like to share or are we done? No. 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 Okay, good. That was news. Which brings us handily to reviews and first up this week we have Damon Lindelof's Watchmen which like the 2009 Zack Snyder movie is based on Alan Moore's seminal graphic novel the Citizen Kane of comic books you'll hear it called Uh, however unlike the movie this isn't an adaptation of the original story uh, which is set in an alternate history 1980s rather this is uh, a present day story set within the same timeline and taking that original story crucially the comic one, not the movie one, because they differ slightly, taking that original story as canon. So Lindelof's story takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a 2019 where police wear masks to conceal their identities. A violent white supremacist group named the 7th Cavalry wear Rorschach masks and squid rain is a thing. Uh, Boyd, were you locked in with it or was it locked in with you? Wow. Um, that's a good that's reference, a good, even yes. if you don't get it. No, that's good. You got one finger point for that one, yeah. by the way. <laughs> um, well, let me just say, I think you'll get some idea of why I feel about the show when I say that HBO sent us um, six episodes to watch. There's nine, I think, in total um, in this season. Which, by the way, um, Damon Lindelof, uh, showrunner, says... Is self-contained is a self-contained story yes. which will end, and then he says it's quite open. To, there could be more, but they will. It will be another self-contained story. So it's not it's a it's not an ongoing serial drama necessarily. Um, but they sent us six, and I've devoured all six in the space of two days, pretty much. So I spent quite a lot. So of, you didn't like the last it forty-eight hours mm-hmm. watching it. I absolutely fucking loved it, and I think it's. I have to say, I think it's Damon Lindelof is now like the yeah. foremost genius of of 
TV writing. We should say we should say Damon Lindelof, the creator of Lost, oh, uh, which Terry well wasn't the creator of Lost technically was it? No, he wasn't the creator. Yeah, James was the creator. He's yeah. the showrunner of Lost, yeah. which Terry yawned at when it was in the greatest. Uh, yeah, TV I'm show with this. Terry on that one. But he's the creator yeah. with, uh, with Tom Barotta of, of the, the Leftovers, leftovers one yeah. of the greatest TV yeah. shows of all time. You yes. can see where that appears on the list if you yes. look at the list. Oh, good. So yeah, I love the Leftovers. I mean, Lost, I, I'm completely, I'm agnostic about. I enjoyed it at the time, but I was annoyed by the end. It's a problematic era. It's a problematic thing. But but Leftovers, I absolutely love. It's probably in my top five TV shows of all time. But I think this feels like it's it's almost like that. It's like the leftovers of Watchmen. It's, I agree. It's, I'm, I'm going to look at... The leftovers was all about a, literally people left over after an enormous traumatic event mm-hmm. that, took, that affected the whole world. And so is Watchmen. The, his version of Watchmen probably was the original as well, for, as far as I know. Um, uh, I've just watched the film. I've never read the graphic novel, sure. etc. Um it's just he's just got this way of plunging you into the middle of his storytelling that leave, that is so ambitious and bold that you don't know I'm sure to coin Terry's catchphrase what the fuck is going on at any given time and yet you go with it because I think he makes it he just gives you enough information and shows you enough extraordinary incredible things builds enough fantastically interesting characters with great actors playing them that you have to keep on watching and that is the that is his genius I think it's it's he is the boldest storyteller out there I think and there's loads of this I mean you know the A is one of favorites and i think it does share i feel it does share a little bit of dna with that as well not just in the in the octopus slash squid <laughs> field but it's just incredible i think to, to take the whole idea of the watchmen and to create a story which is also all about race which is the yes, issue of american is, yeah. society it really is and he's taken that idea and i know i've read a big interview with him in the new york times which you can which which which, which he was brilliant where he was talking about how he read an essay all about you know the effect of this real event that happened in 1921 in tulsa oklahoma yeah. where the white White people attacked the. This, yeah. this, it's, they call it a Tulsa. It was a Tulsa, Tulsa massacre, ma- wasn't Tulsa it? Tulsa massacre. Yeah. That was the starting off point for him. Of and it was all about this essay. Was all about you know maybe black people should have reparations for these events that happened yeah. where white people attacked them and killed them and ruined their lives, and it forced them to undergo this trauma of traumas. And I think and so this series is kind of all about the trauma of black people in America yes. and what that's meant, and yet telling it via this incredibly fascinating alternate history, which is dabbles in everything in pop culture. Robert Redford has been president for 26 years, which the Watchmen actual did. Actual Robert Redford. Actual Robert Redford. Actual real life. It's real life, literal yeah. Robert Redford. Uh, all of that is fascinating, incredible. There's a, I'm just, by the way, I'm free, I'm, I'm, I'm just freewheeling here. Do it, do it. There's a show within a show, which yep. is like a piss take of American horror story of Ryan Murphy's show. It's called American Hero Story. That is in itself the greatest thing I've ever seen this uh, the, year. The, the parental advisory before that yeah. is extraordinary. Yeah. And there's a clip of that there's a bit of that which starts episode five that is hilarious. And by the way, I mean, he's fucking taking the piss out of Ryan Murphy. And I hope Ryan Murphy's aware of it and is fine with it. But it's really funny. But it is quite, it's quite heavy piss taking of a fellow creative person in TV who does really good stuff. But he's kind of honed in on a thing that Ryan Murphy does with stories. So that's that's film, that show within the show is telling in Ryan Murphy's style that, that history, that alternate history that's within Watchmen and is incredible in itself. Then you get to episode five, let me just say. And I know someone tweeted this week saying, how does Boyd get to have time to watch all these shows? Why does he always watch them? <laughs> I've always And I'm like, this. well, because I, I do spend my whole life doing it, to be fair. And, and episode five is one of the greatest things I've seen. For, that, that is, in black and white, tells, f- traces the backstory of one of the main characters in an incredible way that starts the whole series. And then you don't really know what's happening until episode five kind of drills into that whole story. It's I find it absolutely incredible. And 
amazing. And and what he says in the, let me just quote this from the interview, and then I'll let someone else have a say, is, in what, is this a story you should be telling? We mentioned this a while ago mm. in another show. That So here's this white guy, this yeah. rich, wealthy white guy, telling stories of black people in America. And he says, this is a story you should be telling. It's not a question I'm qualified to answer. What I will say is, I've spent a lot of time driving around looking at billboards and going, oh, there's only white people on these billboards. And then I'm like, oh, I've made a career out of basically putting white people on billboards. And I keep making TV shows about really attractive men in their mid-40s who are having existential and spiritual crises. I'm in a position to do something different, and that's something I care about too. And I think that is amazing in itself. Good answer. And what a fucking brilliant job he's done. It's super violent. Uh, It starts with an incredibly... It starts with the Tulsa Massacre, which is incredibly brutal. Well, that's like a full 10 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, right? it's Which is... full on. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't back down from there. And I think what's great about this, so it's not a direct... So it does follow on from, from, from the comic chronology, but what it captures, if not the subject of Zack Snyder's movie, like love or hate Zack Snyder, I think he did an incredible job with that film. It captures the vibe and the feeling of it. And, you know, that sense of alternate place like it's not like oh history's a bit different but otherwise this is just 2019 this feels like a different world it feels like a parallel dimension at no point do you ever mistake this for the world we're living in and not because it's got flying cars but little touches like the fact that the street lamps work in a completely different way in this Mm. reality than they do in ours Uh, but just just the vibe of the characters the slight surrealism to it the i love the fact that this is a timeline where, because historically in Watchmen, like masked vigilantes have been outlawed, but they, the way they do this is the police wear masks to conceal their identities. So the police have almost become, on the one hand, sort of faceless stormtroopers, but on the other hand, the vigilantes are essentially part of the police force because they're manifesting personalities within these kind of masked personas that the that the police have. And it's got it's a really complicated, and bear in mind I've only seen the first two, so I'm just basing it on that. It's a very complicated portrayal of the way uh, you know, the treatment of race works because we're so used to seeing, you know, law enforcement being portrayed as the racist. Whereas in this, most of the law enforcement you see, well, not most, but a good number of them are people of colour and the masked vigilantes are the white supremacists. Mm. And it's like the morality of it is very shift and then people who you think fall into one camp maybe don't. And it's it's a very complex machine with a lot of moving parts, all of which look spectacular uh, I guess I was probably predisposed to like this because it's very much up my alley Terry what did you what did you make well I was and I haven't read um, the comics um, obviously I'm aware of the story and I've seen the, I have seen the film um, and this first episode is worth saying it's an hour and ten minutes right mm-hmm. so it's really fucking long <laughs> yeah. um, and I've only watched the first one but that first ten minutes I actually got to the end of that sequence and rewound it and went back because I hadn't I couldn't remember seeing anything like that on telly before yeah. and I couldn't quite work out what I'd just seen because it really threw me Um as you say, completely unflinching from the get-go, from completely bold. Even when I had no fucking clue what was happening, um, it's so daring and innovative. And and what you were saying about um, it's clearly another. It's not kind of a, a a version of our world. It's also not fantastical, and that's what no. I loved because when you're looking at the state of the world through a superhero lens, it's easy to go fantastical. Um, and really play up the fantasy elements. And the superhero elements are kind of 
not the thing. Almost. They're not superpowers. They're not superpowers. But mm. also, it's it's it feels like another reality. It doesn't feel like this reality, but it still feels real. It feels really gritty. When even when the squid raining from the skies, you kind of don't. You're like, oh yeah, the squid raining from mm. everything feels okay in that world. Yeah. They framed that world perfectly. I do want to mention Regina King, oh, um, who plays a um, African American female detective in this. And she is incredible, called Angela. Um, I mean, I'm, I love Regina King anyway, but to see somebody like her take centre stage in that first episode, I really loved. Um, and it just felt really big and bold and dynamic um, and just saying interesting things about race, but also about power and about how systemic racism works and what that does to power structures within um, society as a whole. But as you were saying, it's not a compl- it's not a straightforward moral line that you can clearly see kind of how the moral fabric of that world necessarily works. It's actually far more interesting than that. It isn't didactic. It isn't kind of laying it all out on a plate for you. It's, it's quite hard work in places. Yes, it is. But I think that's what makes it really, really interesting. Um, and I'm actually going to try and keep to try and keep watching it in the hope that I understand what's happening at some point in the next five episodes. There's a lot of stuff in there for people who like the film or like the comic. Yeah. But there's Night Owl tech in there, you'll see from the character Night Owl. Uh, Ozymandias, Jeremy Irons in this, makes an appearance. Although, and certainly from what I've seen of it in the first two, it's that feels almost like a completely different show. Like, it's really surreal, the stuff that's going on with Ozymandias. I'm sure it all ties in, but I'm well, like, this is... Batshit. Well, that does carry on being completely <laughs> insane and surreal, and and all the way through, you're in, in, into cuts with scenes of Jeremy Irons being fucking <laughs> doing unbelievably bizarre stuff, perverse stuff. Let me add, yeah. and um, but I think it's slowly, it's beginning to, and I think you will, it's it will converging. make it clear that what's happening. Yeah, it, yeah. Do, it does. And funny, the superhero thing is really interesting, the superpower thing, because. You know, it's 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 so not about that, and then in the end, I think it it will be about that. Right. It's like you know, it kind of is about that. I love bit. the fact that it subverts <laughs> expectations. Like the second scene in the entire show in the pilot is a traffic stop, which completely mm, twists what mm. you think about it. It's a traffic stop. It feels heavy-handed. It feels maybe prejudice-inspired, but the policeman is black and the guy in the car is not, and what you expect to happen really doesn't happen. Yeah. And I just thought when I watched it, I thought, wow, that's a really interesting choice. Um, yeah, it's great. I, lo- I loved uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the oh, the music is great. It's got yeah. that yeah. brilliant electronic yeah. industrial Nine Inch Nailsy vibe to it, which really, really works with this. And the music actually really reminded me of Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is the film before Mandy that was done by Panos Cosmatos, which is really kind of bizarre and surreal and trippy. Um, and actually, this, the score is not what I was expecting at all. Mm. And it f- it further mm. kind of like creates this weird tension. But it's quite... It, it, it wrong-footed me at first. The use of yeah, the use of music is incredible. They also yeah. use um, uh, pop songs from different eras. Um, <laughs> one episode opens with Howard Jones. Let me say in the most fantastic oh way, God. which flashes back to 1985 and is incredible. That episode is going to fucking blow your mind <laughs> and um, is unbelievable. Um, and also, uh, just on the Regina King thing, yeah, she and she is even though so the, a lot of the episodes are half show you other characters and focus on them a bit, like you know in that way that serial TV often does. But she's still she's absolutely. Hundred percent the centre of it. It's her. It's really yeah. her story but, and her relatives and her family and 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 all of that. And that is, a, as you say, incredible thing to to focus it on her. And she is phenomenal. And she is. We must emphasize dressed as a vigilante super nun throughout yes. the yes. show, which just is just a knight. 
demented. Yes. But uh, yes, it's very, very good. That is Watchmen. We very much recommend that you watch it. This drops on Sky Atlantic and presumably Now TV on Monday, October the 21st at 9pm. And will be weekly, Boyd? Weekly. I think they're doing the live 2am um, simulcast with America as well than the, if you like, the night before. Good, good, good. Yeah. Next up this week is Jack Thorne's The Accident, a four-part Channel 4 drama about a town in Wales and how a sudden unexpected tragedy affects the people in it and causes some buried truths to rise to the surface. Uh, this is a harrowing watch, not just for the horror of the accident itself, but for all the human drama that kind of crops up on its periphery, including, honestly, what I have to say is the most upsetting depiction of domestic violence I have ever seen on film or television. Mm. Uh, and I had to stop this for a day before I would go back to it after that scene because it really properly upset me. Um, but you don't need to hear about the show from me. This is obviously a show that deals with grief, misery, death and abuse, so it's quite clearly one for Terry. <laughs> go for it. Um, so straight off the bat, I'm going to say I fucking love this. I watched, of the, you did. I watched the first two back to back. The only reason I didn't watch the third is because it was half past four in the morning. Um, as you say, written by Jack Thorne, it focuses on this tight, kind of depressed, economically um, Welsh community. Uh, there is an industrial accident. Eight children die in this accident. One man dies in this accident, and it's really on the surface, at least. It is about the accident, as the show is called. Mm. But it is absolutely not a traditional tragedy narrative that we are used to seeing potentially on these kind of dramas. It's about community. It's about the ugliness of marriage. It's about do you ever really know anyone in your life? Mm. Even when there's kind of notions of who's to blame. Is it the council? Is it the com private company? Is it um, the foreman? Who is responsible for what happened to these people? That's, again, that's just the surface story. The deeper truths it's kind of getting to are far more fundamental. And I have to say, like... The scene you're talking about comes really early on in the first episode. And I won't say who it's between because it actually, that's a big part of the first episode and it's quite shocking when it happens. The, there's an argument before it in a kitchen which is punctuated by this boiling kettle, which is just one of the most phenomenal little scenes on British telly you've ever seen. The way that entire argument is tracked by this boiling kettle, which then kind of, you know, gets to the boils basically and stops mm. and how that punctuates what goes on. And as you say, the violence that follows is so shocking, partly because of the age of the people in this show, right? So domestic violence on TV is often um, young kids or young adults. You very rarely see it. These characters are in their, what, 50s, mm. early 50s, very late 40s. Um, and there's a moment where she says, you don't really realise what happens until the assault starts and she just says, please not the face. And clearly this is mm. the latest in a long line of assaults. And the assault is, I don't, I can't remember seeing domestic violence depicted in this very specific way. And it's important to point, it's not that the violence no. is excessive, it's the way it's carried yes. out. Yes, but I think that's this is what's phenomenal about this show because and I have to say Jack Thorne has done a remarkable job with the writing because there is a scene in a bedroom between a man and a wife and he's drunk and they're having this conversation slash passive aggressive argument 
And he says to her at one one point, I hate your body. I hate how you look. I hate your face. And she says, I hate my body too. What? And, and it's these little lines that you just don't hear on TV. You hear big explosive rows. You hear kind of these screaming matches, but this simmering kind of the minutiae of the ugliness of relationships. I can't remember the last time I've seen it kind of depicted in quite this way. They are are in love on one hand. They are in a hugely dysfunctional relationship on the other. And it lives and dies by the writing, which the, the detail that Jack goes into to be able to make this really real, but also completely unlike what you'd expect in a drama like this, which is you'd expect it to be broad. You'd expect it to be kind of general rows and general relationship issues. So I watched both back together, back to back, back together, back to back, um, because I love this and I can't wait to get home tonight and get the fuck out of here so I can watch the other two. I think it's phenomenal and it's absolutely not what you are expecting it to be at all. I can't emphasise that enough. Yeah, I, I, I will never watch another episode of this. I thought it was amazing, but I can't. I don't have the constitution to sit through misery of this magnitude. And it's just like the, the incident that we have discussed it was too much for me. But the, the immediate seconds after the assault that, that I almost found more as upsetting mm. as the assault. And for the sake of spoilers, I'm not going to go into details, mm. but I just, it just, it, and I think it's good because it shows the complexity of the psychology surrounding domestic abuse. That mm. it's nowhere near as clear cut. It's very easy for people outside these situations to talk about these things. So, well, I would do this, this, and this. It's like, it's much more complicated than that. And I think he does a really good, uh, Chathorn does a really good job of, you know, shining a light on that and pulling that out of the narrative yes and we should say it's an ensemble cast really but it's Mm. Sarah Lancashire's at the heart of this and she you know Sarah Lancashire with a brilliant Welsh accent but Sarah (laughs) Lancashire being as amazing as Mm. Sarah Lancashire is I mean Happy Valley I think is one of the best British TV performances of the last like 10 years quite frankly but um, she is absolutely phenomenal in this and she's really the heart of this show Mm. Boyd? Yeah, it's interesting because I went to the uh, launch of this, the screening of this, and um, so the the moment we were were talking about the domestic abuse scene was like I've never seen anything like it was like a kind of uh, mass convulsion of shock and horror at this moment on screen, which I've never seen before. And I've sat through a lot of screenings of all kinds of things, but it was it was really intense um, the reaction. And I was thinking, oh, how do how how, how you know how do you talk about it? Because in a way, I mean, you've alluded to that to not say who the characters are, but it is you know you could call it a spoiler to say that this element of the show i think it's partly what you're talking about mm. you because this this show's been set up and it is yeah. really it's about the aftermath of a horrendous um disaster and so part of the inspiration of it was grenfell and again you know they've talked everyone involved talked about they didn't want to do a drama about grenfell because that would have been um in bad tim poor taste but it is about you know what a, a horrible disaster happens a lot of people are killed and what happens after that but then this other element comes in as you say quite early on in episode one that we have to talk about that kind of turns the whole thing into something different mm. as you say and it is it's, it's about so much more than than what we've initially what we initially thought it would be about and i think it, it feels to me like he what he's, he's kind of looking at the way people feel, the way people cope with life in general now, and I think it's partly um, his other previous stories that he's told, Jack Thorne, the first one, National Treasure, was about abuse and the impact that has on mm. people, and then Kiri was about, you know, it was about kind of people doing social work and how, you know, people being 
victimized for what they do for doing their job and for making mistakes and all of that and so he's exploring I think he's just exploring the way people are now in well, society in a way virtues right virtues yeah. of course yeah. a good year right. for Jack yeah. Thorne virtues yeah. he's got yeah. his dark material yeah. coming out as well yeah. Yeah. so it's like a, it's like a corrective in, for me this whole thing to just thinking simply about things in mm. black and white terms you know and he's kind of going well you know this on one of it's like a disaster movie mm. you see the incident and you, you meet the characters on their way to this incident and then you see the aftermath and that's how disaster movies work but this is like no this is the reality of the situation and it is unflinchingly traumatic and difficult <laughs> but so brilliant I think yeah. that you have to keep on watching in like Terry I'm going to no. just carry it yeah I think you ha- well I feel like my, I have to my Belen test is, is only sort of superseded by my trauma test <laughs> whereby if something yeah. fundamentally traumatises me I need to not Fair watch enough. it but one small example so there's also the um, the executive who works for the yes. company played by Sidza Babak Knudsen hate her right right. I mean but, you're supposed to but, yeah. Yeah, you're sp- <laughs> but are you no you're not no, this, you're this not. is what I'm about to say yeah. in, traditionally she's in the hateful it's yeah. her fault right Oh, she's the corporate yeah. lackey yeah. who is going to have to deal with this. But this is the genius of Jack Thorne. She arrives on the scene. She goes straight there. She's criticised by her bosses for going straight there without up-checking with them. She's Obviously, everyone takes their hate out on her and blames her. Yeah. He calls it the blame trilogy, Jack Thorne, these, these three series. And it is, so, and it is like, well, she isn't evil. She isn't hate, hateful. She's, she's in the middle of this thing as well, in her way. Yeah. Obviously, she hasn't had people killed, her kids killed in this thing. But, you know, and, and so... Again, it's, it's all about the reality of these situations rather than easy blame, easy black and white See, answers. Interestingly, oh, that wasn't the reason I didn't like her. She <laughs> says something okay. very specific okay. about a character... Uh, which proves to be very untrue, but but what? It, but it also which sets up a scene later on. But what I think what that underlined for me was like a, a theme of this, which is that nobody knows what happens behind closed doors. No, but and how much do you ever know about anyone else? Right. Absolutely. So this is yeah. a tight community, a very tight community that have clearly lived together and known each other for years. Um, and how much they and it becomes more of a thing in episode two, which is how much do you ever know anybody? And actually, how much do you know but you choose to ignore mm. because you just get on yeah. with your own lives and your own reality and i think you're right boyd which is is he's this the accident is kind of the entry point in some respects because the consequences of it force you to take this microscopic look at the lives of those impacted but the lives of those impacted have all these issues that were going on way before mm-hmm. the accident and all and it's a moment that you kind of zero in on their reality um and it's a far bigger canvas about about marriage and what you will put up with and what you won't and what you endure and and the function of community I think it's got really interesting things to say about community in this day and age what is the function of community what happens when a, people in a community turn against each other what responsibility does a community have to each other I think they're all massively interesting questions and I'm Pl- not please, please is the wrong word. But I enjoyed the fact that they focus on that more than you know setting her up as the, as you say, mm. cold-hearted corporate bitch. They're in the wrong because actually, all the way through, multiple people have co- have played yeah. a role yeah. in what happened. But that ultimately isn't the point. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's how what people bring to it in terms of humanity and what is humanity and where do you lose it and where is it called mm. into question. It's really fascinating. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I watched it. I think it's fascinating. Well, if you wish to be fascinated, then uh, The Accident airs on Channel 4 on Thursday, October the 24th at 9pm. Finally this week, we have season two of Pose. This is, of course, Ryan Murphy's drama about New York's ballroom culture scene of the 80s, although now with this season moving into the early 90s. Now, 
I have a confession to make. You haven't watched it? I haven't watched it. I didn't have time to watch this because I was flying back from Belfast this morning and I had to watch the accident. So, Boyd, would you mind stepping in as the poser on this one Not at all. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, it's going to be airing on BBC Two on Saturday nights, um, which I think is a move. I think previously went out on Friday nights, Saturday nights in double bills. And I think they're putting it all out on the iPlayer series as well because they certainly waited a long time to show season one, which I think we've discussed Mm. before. Um, This is slightly faster turnaround for season two and um, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago I think when I talked about how it's going to it's going to come on soon and now it's here that people have said you know people people in the office have said um, uh, that it's a big step up season two from series season one um, and what and so we've reached the point in 1990 where HIV and AIDS is a huge huge element I think that's the big kind of change yeah. I think and, and, and episode one thrusts you into that world where at the same time as these people, so it's all about this culture of the ballroom culture of voguing, where these, um, with these mostly black and Latino people in in New York, created these houses where they live together in, in communities, in little mini communities, and they're families of people because they because they their real families often have have spurned them and snubbed them and ruined their lives, etc. And they group together and they compete in these spectacular, amazing, funny kind of tough competitions where they outdo each other by posing and walking like walking a carpet and it's it's amazing with amazing music and Madonna's Vogue also arrives at this moment and which has a huge impact because it's the first time that their culture this culture which kind of grew up authentically and intrinsically and is a huge part of their life suddenly becomes mainstream because Madonna's yeah. owned in on it but they re- they, re- they reflect that really interestingly and they kind of love the fact that Madonna's in Vogue has come out and, t- and is making their culture famous but at the same time the awful impact of HIV and AIDS is there and, and, and unflinching is the word this is an, unflinching could be the thematic word of the week for all of these shows really because again it's about the, the trauma of this incredible thing and how you know the characters one of the characters says in the first um in the first f- few minutes they go there's a funeral and they're like this is the 424th you know memorial service that they've attended um and this character's played by Sandra Bernhardt of course I think mm. it's probably an icon in the gay community as well and particularly in America and I just think it's amazing the big picture is it's amazing that again this is a Ryan Murphy show um it's amazing that he is taking these stories and turning them into incredibly entertaining you know as mainstream as a show like this could be and it you know it's getting Emmys and it's getting it's doing really well it's third season's already been um, commissioned of this show and I think that's a brilliant thing there are moments of it that are clunky and I think you know going back to what I said about the show within a show in Watchmen I think kind of Dame Lindelof's a bit taking the piss out of the Ryan Murphy way of doing things which is big emotional moments and and kind of don't, not giving a shit if it's clunky mm. actually in a mm. way and just going I'm sorry it's more important to be soulful and true to what these characters have gone through and their story and celebrating them than yeah. it is to be subtle and you know and go the Lindelof route and I think both things are, fa- are valid that's why I kept thinking about actually watching it is oh that's interesting because in this world of peak TV that we cover there are different ways of doing it and I really like Pose I love it even though there are moments of it that I go oh come on you know that is ridiculous <laughs> other moments are like unbelievably moving and real and I think as a whole that's just the way he works and I'm and I'm with it but you're right that sincerity Mm. I love that sincerity it's been criticised for it and people have said oh you know there are bits which are overblown emotionally and don't quite work and are quite clunky but it has an unflinching um, sincerity that I really respect because it doesn't play with this shit lightly right I think I think he understands the responsibility of the story he's telling the shift in tone is quite a massive thing so 
much more so than I think season one. And I think it is definitely a step up from season one. It opens as they're visiting these mass graves in Potter's Fields where were the place that basically in New York, anyone who is unclaimed, who's died and is unclaimed by their family are buried, anonymous graves. And they used to have a section, a quarantine section for people who died from um, AIDS and AIDS-related illnesses because they, uh, the woman who kind of does the admin there goes, oh, well, we don't know how you... Because she goes, they're dead. And she goes, oh, well, we don't know how you catch it. And that's still, you're very aware that that's still the age they're living in, that, that hundreds and thousands of people in that community are still dying from this disease, but this the stigma and prejudice has never been worse. But it's got this kind of joy and darkness that it balances on a knife edge because you do have the Madonna stuff is absolutely beautiful. So Blanco is played by MJ Rodriguez, who, again, I think is just phenomenal and really holds the first episode, especially. Um, They're in the club and she's talking about Madonna and how it matters for Vogue to be happening Mm. and for the acceptance, as you said, into mainstream culture and society for people who've lived on the fringes their entire lives to be talked about in mainstream culture and to be accepted and to be celebrated by somebody like Madonna is such a phenomenal thing. And you you don't think about it because we didn't live through that time in New York, but it must have been Mm. such a massive moment. Um, But you can feel deaths always at their backs throughout the entire first episode. There's, There's somebody in a scene who says, we're all being chased by the same monster when they're talking about kind of the responsibility to to be an activist as well as kind of to live the life that you choose to live and I think that's the important new thread is this activism thread which is helping out the wider community kind of not accepting the stigma challenging the stigma Um, and it does give her a different and serious and kind of more significant tone in many respects but it never loses those moments of lightness and joy um, that made the first season so enjoyable. Sandra Bernard, by the way, is just Mm. phenomenal in this as an AIDS nurse. Um, Absolutely incredible. But the whole thing feels more more radical. I don't know if that's the right term. Oh, definitely, yeah, because it is literally showing you ACT UP, which was the the radical activist movement. Um, And it it dramatises their their demonstrations and their moments. So immediately, and it actually addresses that point, doesn't it? I I thought... the most interesting element of it, in a way, is the characters are like, well, do we want to spend our time voguing and having fun yeah. at these these balls, or actually, do we need to join this movement of activism to deal with the outrageous way that the drug companies were, yeah. you know, the, uh, making the, the thing that could that could help people with AIDS incredibly expensive? They can't, all, all these things, so, and looking at homophobia in general, the homophobic way in which AIDS was regarded at the time probably still is in some ways. So yeah, it's kind of like activism versus fun, yeah. which actually is in the middle of the show. It's kind of yeah. the show is always balancing those things as well. Wow, you need to see it. it sounds like a recommendation. It's, a bit, it's uh, another. It's another. And now, week. now, now, post drops on BBC Two on Saturday, October the twenty sixth, but at ten twenty yes. pm. But don't they all? Drop yes, they at do. Ten twenty pm. They do, which is yeah, very precise time for an awful <laughs> lot of episodes. So, <laughs> uh, and that is post. So pick of the week. I I predict using my psychic powers that Terry will say the accident. Boyd will say Watchman, and I will say Watchman. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, <laughs> And now, on to the Banshee segment, uh, where we take an old show that you may or may not have heard of, 
in my case, probably have, and uh, and we recommend it. And you talk about it for 17 minutes. <laughs> and I minutes. talk about yeah. it for a couple Last of hours. Last you talked about another show first for 17 minutes. I, I, I enjoyed the person who tweeted us and said they went off, made a cup of tea, went yeah, to see a horror film, came back. Came and, back. I was still going James on. James was still talking. Well, I didn't really have proper time to do a Banshee this week for the same reason I didn't have time to watch Pose because I was on a plane. Uh, and but, we're all busy. But I do, we're all living busy, busy lives. So I watched um, six episodes of Watchmen. So, so are you going to read something off Wikipedia? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to do that because I mean, it's one that I've been meaning to do for a while. So what I want to talk about is The Corner. Do we know The Corner? No. Boy, Boyd's yeah. nodding, but I remind suspect me, doesn't remind remember. Me. So this is David Simon's show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which was after Homicide Life on the Street, but before The Wire. Uh, it was a 2000 show, obviously aired on HBO, much like The Wire did. This was a six-parter, and it's very similar. It's set in in Baltimore. Um, it's based on this non-fiction book, also called The Corner, uh, A Year in the Life of an Inner City Neighbourhood, which David Simon wrote with Ed Burns uh, in the late 90s. And, uh, and he's adapted it for television. So um, it's about the life of one particular family living in the kind of the drug markets of, of, of West Baltimore and the corner is this particular junction of West Fayette Street and North Monroe Street uh, TK Carter is in it as Gary McCullough he's this he's this, the drug addict sort of father character and his ex-wife Fran who's supplied by Candy Alexander uh, she's also a drug addict and their son uh, played by Sean Nelson is DeAndre McCullough also called Black and he's a, he's a 15 year old he's a drug dealer himself and it's all about life on the streets, essentially. Terry, you would really enjoy this because it mm. is bleak as fuck. Sign me up. It, I mean, it's really, really like. I mean, I mean, just by from the subject matter, you can kind of imagine, but it, it's mm-hmm. quite harrowing. It's much, much more harrowing than The Wire because I watched this Why? after The Wire and I was expecting, yeah, a little bit more of this, and it isn't. But loads of people from the corner had also appeared in Homicide: Life on the Street, and then loads of them also went on to appear in The Wire. So um, Clark Peters is in it. Uh, Corey Parker Robinson's in it. Uh, Donald Rawlings, Tissy Duval, loads of them. Lance Reddick's in it as well. Delaney Williams, um, loads of people that go on. To, to star in his other things but it's 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 really really worth seeing it's it's not I mean, it's only six episodes but it's not on a level I don't think with The Wire but as a character study and a look at the, this very specific thing The Wire is very broad and it covers a lot of themes this is much more focused but The, the Wire can be quite impenetrable in places right I mean this isn't, when, this isn't is this, the most accessible but, I was going to say is, the, yeah. is this a similar no, uh, it still ha- it has a lot of street jargon yeah so 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 you do need to <laughs> you just say street, street jargon. jargon what that's not how is that a bad thing to say the whole thing about the first season of The Wire is it is impenetrable street jargon where they they don't explain Street what any jargon. of these words they use mean. I mean, I meant many. I meant in many ways it's impenetrable. I wasn't specifically talking about the streets. No, but the linguistics <laughs> are a part of the character of this show and the street level uh, sort of um, uh, vernacular that they use in Baltimore. <laughs> specifically, it forms a cornerstone of one of the of the first season of The Wire. And that particular, he made a conscious choice not to make that. I understand. I understand. I understand. It's not what. It's not. It's not the only reason. It's impenetrable. Is my no, only point. it's also incredibly complicated. Yes, yes. But, uh, but it doesn't help when you can't understand what the characters are saying. <laughs> but um, but yes, so it's it's very very good. Uh, I recommend it. The corner, and that is my venture. Talking of impenetrable street jargon, I've picked <laughs> oh, Nathan <laughs> Barley. Um, which, how can you pick Nathan well, Barley? Well, I know a lot of even people, I've heard of that. I know most people have heard of it, but I still think it's banshearable because me, if I'd said this, I'd have been no, no, it's less, by both of we're you. We're still less famous than most of yours. So that's yeah. my that's what I'm clinging to. And also, are you going to do an in defence of it because? 
most people kind of have turned against it. Yeah, I'm slightly in defence of it, yeah. Mm. Well, it all started, various reasons I'm doing it. One is because um, a guy called Ben Murray Holmes tweeted me saying perhaps I could banshee Charlie Brooker's dead set, Ooh, which I think... That's which, on my long list. Well, there you go. That so that's point. a good idea. Yeah, you can't do that. I'm going to do that one. Okay, day. fine. You can steal that one. Um, not enough to talk about that. Then, because then, um, um, Chris Morris's film is out, at the moment, and um, which is very, which is very good, and he did. He was on Adam Buxton's podcast this week, and he gives a long, like hour-long interview, and he talks about his whole career, and it's brilliant if you're a Chris Morris fan. And he, they talk mm. about Nathan Bully a bit because they met Adam, Adam and Joe of Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish fame went to work on the show with Chris Morris and Charlie Brooker. So it was created, co-created by Chris Morris and Charlie Brooker, these giants of our, you know, of, of comedy and of our time. And they and they and, he, and they both said that they, what they did was they came in, they looked through loads of like trendy street magazines and fashion magazines like Days to Confused and Vice and just came up with stupid stuff that they could put in the show. So the whole texture of the show is that world of fashion and yes. street culture and pretentious hipster wankers that's what it's all about and i still think it had a lot to say about that whole scene which is still going to this day if you hang her out enough in east london in shoreditch mm -hmm. you will see nathan barley's everywhere so i'm doing nathan barley because some people might not have heard of it it's still around i think it's on all four and you can see it and it's funny it is all of those things except i don't know that because i've never seen it but I've heard. See, well, things. the fact you've never seen it means. Oh, no, but I've heard of Banshee. And loads of people are. Oh, that's. I know, and I know, I know this is like, one of the most says, famous. Yeah. Someone said, oh, that's a bit Nathan Barley. You know exactly yeah. what they mean. But no, I've never watched exactly. it. Exactly. I've never watched it. Uh, oh, and Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. There you go. I bet people have forgotten that. That's the thing that people won't remember. We've established that Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. is in basically everything. He's in so. everything. Yeah. Um, Terry? Oh, God, it has to be you, James. Yes, come on. I am actually going to give that a go now. The corner? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to add trying it. To, let me, I'm trying to find out if actually list. you can get it anywhere. Oh. I don't know oh. if you can get it. Oh, here we are. Yeah, no. Oh, my trusty computer exchange comes back. The corner, they sell it for one pound, all six episodes. Wow. One pound? One pound for the oh. box app. Can I not stream it? I don't think you can. I'm not sure. I, I tried to look it up on my the website that tells me, but it just got confused and came up with loads of other things oh with dear. corner in the title. So you may or may not be able to dream it. Anyway, on that note, I would say that we are done. And that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then please recommend it to your friends and inflict it upon your enemies. Uh, and while you're at it, give us five stars on iTunes as well. As ever, you can find us online at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton. And if you want to check out her surprising line in Experimental Dubstep, then do be <laughs> sure to stop by Terry SoundCloud. That was a lie. We'll be back next week for, <laughs> for quite frankly, more TV shows than I think we could ever possibly do on this podcast. So we're going to have our work cut out for an interesting challenge. Not only does next week have season two of Jack Ryan, but it's also the launch of Apple TV Plus mm. and all the shows on Apple TV Plus. So potentially next week we are reviewing a whole channel <laughs> and Jack Ryan. So so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Anyway, to find out how we get on with that, <laughs> do come back next week. And in the meantime, Terry and Boyd have more Farscape to watch. Pilot out. <laughs>